I'm Randy Spindle. I'm one of the pastors at Westminster, and it's my privilege to be with you today. I'm going to read a scripture before I dismiss the band to go sit down in front of you. It's from Psalm 150. There are 150 psalms. This is the last one. Listen to these words. Hallelujah. Praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under holy skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him with banjo and flute. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with a blast of a trumpet. Praise him by strumming soft strings. Praise him with cymbals and a big drum. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. Now, that's what it says here, but I think we can do better. Let's try that again. Hallelujah. Praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under the holy skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him with banjo and flute and lead guitar. With mandolin. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him with banjo and flute. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with a blast of trumpet. Praise him by strumming soft strings. Praise him with cymbals and with drums. Very good. <laughs> Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. given this title to the remarks I'm going to share with you today, The Breathless Invitation. Have you ever gotten an invitation in the mail to a party or a get-together or to some event, to someone's birthday party? Invitations are fun to get. And it's even fun, I'm sure, to get an invitation, though I've never gotten one, to something really important, like maybe an inauguration of a president or some big society event. That must be lots of fun to have. Invitations are very special. Uh, about a year ago, I got a phone call from a friend of mine named Doug who said, Randall, have you heard of the show Extreme Home Makeover? How many of you have heard of that show, Extreme Home Makeover? He said, well, Extreme Home Makeover is doing a shoot in Oklahoma City in Ty Pennington, who's the uh, ceremony, master of ceremonies, said uh, that we need to find a helicopter. And I remember that you go to Westminster and you have three or four military people there who work at Tinker. Do you think we could get a helicopter to fly in a Dodge Ram pickup and drop it in front of someone's house? Well, we weren't able to do that. But for a few minutes or a few days, I felt somewhat important, like I was an advisor or a producer for the Extreme Home Makeover show. Those people in that show send in bids and receive then invitations to have their home and their lives made over. And I want to suggest to you today that Psalm 150 that I just read to you 
is a personal invitation from our Heavenly Father to you. And what he invites you to do is to learn the art of praise. Now, there are a couple of things I want to suggest to you about what it means to praise God. Uh, sometimes we think it means some kind of gesture you do, like raising your hands or a certain kind of song you sing. And all of those can be a part of praising God. But praising God means several things. If you look in the dictionary, here's what you'll find. It means to commend or express support for something. It's what we as a group look to do together. It's also, it means to express the personal benefits that have happened to you. What has God done good for you? What has God done good for all of us? And then it means to display the excellence of a thing. It means to, with your mind, appreciate the meaning of something. And it means to, with your heart, display the beauty of something. To praise God means with your mind and your heart, both personally and collectively together, we say thanks to God for what he's done for us. Now, there's a word here that's an odd word. It may not seem odd to you, but it's an odd word. It's the word hallelujah. And sometimes you'll see people saying hallelujah. You don't hear that a lot at a Presbyterian church, but you do hear it from time to time uh, on religious uh, programming. Are people saying hallelujah, praise to God? What does that word mean? We, as you know, the Bible, the Old Testament, was written in a language called Hebrew. And in that language, in Hebrew, hallel means praise, and u means to. So hallelu or hallelu means praise to. But praise to whom? Well, God has a personal name in the Bible. My name, by the way, is Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L. That's my name. Now, my wife doesn't always call me Randall. When she's in a good mood and she's happy, she calls me Ran. Ran, would you come here? Ran, would you do that? But when my dog has tipped over the trash, I hear a voice from the other end of the house, Randall, in that tone, Randall, your dog has made a mess. So ran when things are kind of easy, Randall when they're not. God's name in the Bible is unpronounceable. It's untranslatable. It consists of four consonants that in English are Y-H-W-H. We pronounce it Yahweh or Jehovah. So what the Bible says is hallelujah means praise to God, but only the first part of his name, Yah, not Yahweh. Otherwise, it would be hallelujah, which we never hear. Why in the world would the psalmist say, for us to say, praise to God, but only give us that short part of his first name? And for the Jews, this is what it meant. In the Old Testament, we were not to say God's full name until God had completely done everything he's promised to do for us. You see, you and I live in a world of tension. We know that good things sometimes happen to good people and bad things sometimes happen to bad people. But don't you know that sometimes good things happen to bad people? And I know many of you have experienced that bad things happen to good people because you've seen people who are totally innocent like your friend Linda get cancer she didn't cause it it just happened uh, sometimes people we love die and all of a sudden we are heartbroken because of the sadness that we have 
We have a woman coming to church at Westminster for the first time next Sunday. She's a chimney sweep. I don't know any chimney sweeps in Oklahoma City. She cleans chimneys. But this will be her first time in church. And just a few years ago, she lost her husband and four children in a single car wreck. She's never been to church. She's coming next week. And I'm praying that God will help me to say something to her to comfort her because she knows that bad things can happen to good people. So when we say the word hallelujah, what we're saying is, God, thank you for what you've done, but there's more that we need. We need hope for the future. So we say the word hallelujah. Now, I want to be very simple and very clear today and talk about some questions to which I wish to give answers. Why should we praise God? Well, the Bible says that even the saints and angels who live lives in splendor in heaven with God give him praise. They sing, the book of Revelation says these words, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So in other words, God lives in an environment of praise, and he wants us here on earth to do so. Now, let me let you in on what may be a secret. God doesn't need our praise. He's not a needy individual. God is not a person who has a low self-image, and he needs your praise to feel good about himself. That's not why he asks you to praise him. He knows this, that if you live a life complaining, griping, murmuring, upset about what you don't have, that you'll never enjoy the things you do. You have to learn to say, Lord, thank you that the glass is half full and not complain that the glass is half empty. There are many things about my life I wish were not so, but they are. And the gambler said, the old gambler is, life ain't about holding a good hand. It's about playing the hand you're dealt well. So what hand did life deal you? Where were you born? What were your parents like? What kind of education did you get? That's the hand you're dealt. And praise is to simply say, this is my Father's world. It's a great Thanksgiving hymn. All nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. We praise God because he's powerful. And when we understand the power of God, then we realize that he becomes the resource for everything we need. I love the springtime in Oklahoma, because I have a secret addiction to storms. Whenever a storm is coming, I'm as giddy as a child. I'll go outside. I'll drive out to where I can see the thunderheads moving in. I think that would be the perfect way to go, to just be caught up like Dorothy of Kansas in a, in a, you know, and say, we don't know where Randall went, but he just went up in a cloud. It would be wonderful. And I'll tell you to lift me, it's going to have to be a Category 5. I know that. But when you see a storm and you sense its power, you think of the power of God. What God can do for you, you can't do for yourself. We praise God because he's excellent. He's good. The Bible says God is not deceitful. He's not duplicitous. He is always faithful to us. We're the ones who turn away from him. We praise God because he's excellent. We praise him because he's wise. He understands things that we'll never understand. There are things in my life that are so confusing, I don't have a clue why they're there. But I know that God does, and because I love him and trust him, 
I'm willing to say, God, I'll turn this over to you. God is full of love, and therefore I praise him that he loved me and that he forgave me. John 3.16, greatest scripture in the Bible, most of you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We worship God because he's true. What worship does is on the inside of you make you strong. Now, on the outside, I I appear to be falling down. That's what the mirror tells me when I look in the mirror and I look at what I looked like 35 years ago. I am not the same person I was, okay? I've kind of gotten older. I've kind of fallen down a little bit. But that's just the outside of me. On the inside, I'm actually getting stronger. I'm having more faith, more love, more compassion, and I'm willing more and more to accept the fact that someday I will no longer be here and others will take my place. There was a story last year about a town in Ohio that had built their courtyard around this mighty oak tree that collapsed in a storm. And when they looked at the tree, they discovered that it appeared to be healthy, but on the inside of it there was rot and death. And if you don't praise God, you may appear to be a good person on the outside. But on the inside, there's where the strength lies. I know it's sometimes hard, maybe more for some of you than for others, to say, God, I thank you. I praise you when your life doesn't seem to be going well. Uh, In a few weeks, we're going to be at the bowl time. It's hard to believe there are 60 bowls in this country, football bowls. There's only about 160 teams. Uh, That's about a bowl for everybody, regardless of whether you deserve it or not. But the granddaddy of all bowls will be the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles, actually in Pasadena. In 1983, the theme of the Rose Bowl was the theme Rejoice. Rejoice, which is kind of an almost Christian theme. And all the floats had to do with rejoicing. And the one that won the prize was a float made out of flowers that had a picture of a mother goose with her little baby goslings being born. That's a kind of a, a lovely scene of a, of a mother and her little babies. But when the float would get right by you and the egg would crack open, out would pop the head of an alligator. And, of course, the children would all scream, and it was a wonderful, frightful kind of a, a float. Uh, have you ever felt like that in your life, You're waiting for something good to happen, and when the egg breaks open, out pops the head of an alligator. It's kind of a scary thought. I do believe that in the worst circumstances, God can teach us to be thankful not for things, but be thankful in spite of things. Last night, my sons got me to do something I rarely do, which is to sit down and watch a pay-per-view movie. And we watched one called Slumdog Millionaire. It's a story about a boy born down and out in the slums of Bombay or Mumbai in India. How by hook and by crook and by wits he comes to an adult and then gets on a game show, an Indian game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Some of you have seen that on American television, the American version. And how this young man ends up winning millions of rupees, Indian dollars, Uh, for his prize. And when I thought of that movie, I thought of the first movie I saw about India in 1982. 
I was in Hollywood at the time on a business trip, and it was the week of the release of a movie that went on to win the Oscar that year for Best Picture called Gandhi. It was about the life of Mahatma Gandhi, the great leader of India. And uh, I had the privilege of seeing it the second day it was open at, at a theater there in Hollywood. I felt kind of privileged being a local yokel from Oklahoma, being in Hollywood for a kind of a big premiere week. It was kind of fun. And I went into the theater, paid my ticket, very much like this theater, sat down at the front and watched this movie. I didn't realize it was really going to change me, but it did. It was kind of like an Advent conspiracy moment. And in the movie, there was violence between Muslims and Hindus. They were killing each other and dumping their bodies into wells. And Muslims were killing children uh, who were Hindus, and Hindus were killing children. I guess it was that scene from Slumdog Millionaire that made me think of this last night. And they were killing each other's children and each other. It was just massive chaos and bloodshed. And Gandhi, this great Indian leader, decided to go on a hunger-starvation fast in order to not have people killing each other. And the most dramatic scene in the movie, I still remember it to this day, 27 years later, was when a man with wild eyes, a Hindu, came to Gandhi while he was fasting, starving, almost dead, and said, Master, I am going to hell. Because after the Muslims killed my son, I grabbed a little Muslim boy by the feet and I crushed his brains against the wall. Master, I'm going to hell. And in that movie, Gandhi said these words, I know a way out of hell. Go and find a little Muslim boy whose parents have been murdered and adopt him. You're a Hindu, adopt him. But raise him as a Muslim. And when I heard that story, And at the end of the movie, everyone in the theater stood and clapped, and there were tears in my eyes because I realized that was the kind of love God had for me. I owed a debt I could not pay, and he paid a debt he did not owe. And that's why we praise God. That's why we go through all this trouble and set up and tear down each week is because we are thankful that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And for that reason, we are filled with great joy. I want to give you this quote. It's not how many moments you breathe that make the difference. It's how many moments in life that take your breath away that count. What takes your breath away this morning? Is it the fact that you are alive when you might have been dead? That you have friends when you could have been friendless? You have some Security, when you could have been very insecure, what is it that takes your breath away? And if you will worship God that way, then you will discover great joy. Now, there's a very simple way to learn how to worship God. It's a play in four acts. It's going to take three minutes to learn the four acts. And you and I are a part of the theater company. Part one is A. Adore God. Adoration means to love and worship God, not for what he does, but for who he is. Are there people in your life that you love not because of what they do for you, you just love them for who they are? That's adoration. Adoration is to love people for who they are. That's act one. 
Act two is C, confession. Confession means to say we're sorry. It means to say to God, forgive me for the wrongs that I have done, and thank you for your gift of salvation. That's the second act of the play. The first act is adoration. The second is C for confession. The third is T for thanksgiving. And that's where you say, God, I thank for what you've done for me and for us. Are you thankful that you're an American citizen? Are you thankful that you're a member of this vine fellowship? Are you thankful for your children and your family? What do you give thanks for? The third act is T, thanks. And the fourth act is the most important of all. The big word is supplication, but what it means, it means to care for other people. To supplicate means to think about the other person, not about yourself. And once you learn to worship as A-C-T-S, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, then you have experienced the joy. Just turn to the person next to you and tell them what A-C-T-S means. See how you can do. Turn to them right now. A-C-T-S. Now you know the four elements of praise. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I'd ask the choir to come back. The choir. The band to come back, sorry. Have the band come back. And listen again to the words of the scripture. Hallelujah. Praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under his holy skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him with banjo and flute. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise him with a blast of a trumpet. Praise him with strumming soft strings. Praise him with cymbals and a big drum. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah.